Springfield's Talk 1041. Uh, my name is Dick Reed, A1 Custom Car Care. All of your car care needs. It is cold out, and there's going to be a bit of a reprieve next week into the 50s. So if you've noticed when you got in your car, it was a little slow to start, you may want to take advantage of the time that you have and get it in, make sure it's ready for winter. And it's not just a battery issue, but also all of your fluids and your, uh, you know, your tire inflation, your balance. I mean, there's so many aspects of your vehicle that the harsh winter temperatures can make it more difficult for it to operate properly and even sometimes things go mechanically wrong that can cause you uh, severe problems so routine maintenance just like for your home or your body or anything else while it can't stop everything unexpected from occurring it certainly diminishes the the likelihood that those things will occur a1 custom car care uh, three area locations you can find them under nick's endorsements ksgf.com jason rima's got our latest news update now Springfield police are trying to solve a robbery at a convenience store, and they need your help. A man in a Halloween costume robbed the Casey's at 1510 North Glenstone on October 31st. Police say he had a Mohawk haircut. The city of Springfield wants short-term rentals to start paying a lodging tax, just like hotels do. Hotels pay the 5% lodging tax on top of the sales tax. The city says almost half of all short-term rentals in the city aren't registered, so they don't pay sales taxes. Well, the city wants to fix that and then add on the lodging tax. If that happens, it could bring the city an extra $365,000 a year. That's Matt Moyer reporting. Meantime, Missouri Senator Roy Blunt supports a Senate bill that would protect same-sex and interracial marriage. The soon-to-be-retired Missouri Republican was among 12 GOP members who joined Democrats to support the bill. The Senate is attempting to pass legislation that would codify landmark U.S. Supreme Court decisions involving marriage. Blunt's Missouri colleague, Senator Josh Hawley, opposes the bill. That's Chris Maslin. And Aaron Judge of the Yankees won the American League MVP award, and St. Louis Cardinals slugger Paul Goldschmidt took home the NL prize. I'm Jason Reimer, Springfield Stock 104.1. The first alert forecast sponsored by Navant. Employee benefits that work, mostly sunny, a high of 31 for the day, but the wind uh, times will make it feel as if it is in the teens. Tonight, mostly clear down to 19, sunny 41 tomorrow, and Sunday, sunny, high of 45. Tom Martz is with us. Hey, hey. Hey, sir. How do you do? I'm good. Great. You know, there are some very interesting things in today's date in history. Oh, well, pray tell. Well, in 1987, Congress issues its final report on the Iran-Contra scandal. Oh, okay. This is basically where, unbeknownst to many, that the CIA was importing drugs, shipping them into certain parts of the country, selling them. We were using the money to turn around and buy firearms for the Contra rebels so they could defeat the Sandinistas, I think, Mm -hmm. government. Now, of course, at that point in time, it was the Republicans who said, okay, well, that, that's no big deal. You know, we, think we it, may have been violating the law, but we were doing it for a good reason. Well, isn't that the best reason to violate the law? Eh, not exactly. Now, in 1996, Tony Silva, a world-renowned expert and outspoken protector of exotic birds... 
is sentenced to seven years in prison for what? Leading an illegal parrot smuggling operation. Oh. That's one of those instances where the guy starts out probably with these great lofty goals and and all of a sudden at some point either he realized or someone else realized boy this guy has access to some pretty lucrative product (laughs) it's kind of like those people who are protecting the rhinoceroses or protecting the elephants and all of a sudden under the table they're selling ivory it's like okay where are you getting that i know it's always interesting I, i i always wonder how does that transition like where did it start how does that transition take place and the rationalization is such an interesting thing to me as well and so did this guy convince himself when you know with somebody like you know he's like oh i'm trying to protect all of these these birds and i I just don't have the ability to do it and so somebody's like you know they uh, well hey you can make a little extra money or a lot of extra money and and uh, he convinces himself that he's doing good he's finding homes people he tells himself they're going to protect him and this money he can then in turn use in order to uh, help save more but of course it ends up not working out that way and i just it always interests me that uh that evolution for people well to my way of thinking his only crime was that he did not get a license sell them <laughs> to a state sanctioned right, yeah. zoo it's, it just wasn't government permission. it wasn't government approved or did he get government permission now in 1999 12 die in a bonfire at texas a&m university in college station texas the students down there prior to the football game with the university of texas used to build what was proclaimed to be the world's largest yeah, I remember that, but I don't know if I remember all those deaths. How did they die? Did it collapse? I don't I remember. Know. I, Hang tight. See, I know one of these where they found out that the pallets they were using had been used to ship chemicals. Oh, yeah. Okay, now the, uh, the 1999 bonfire was supposed to require more than 7,000 logs and the labor of up to 70 workers at a time. Just after dawn on November 18th, students were working near the top of the 59-foot-high 59 pile, which I get this, it's four feet higher than authorized. <laughs> well, there, there was the problem. When in the words of Jenny Calloway, a student who was on the stack, it just snapped. Without oh, warning, scores of students okay. became I caught in a huge log pile. Ugh. Other students, including Caleb Hill, who suffered only broken bones in his 50-foot fall, were lucky enough to fall away from yeah. the pile. So now, it wasn't even a fire at that point. It was just no, not yet. prep for it. But I also remember there was another fire somewhere where the students were going to a a place that w- had busted up pallets. Oh, okay. And they built a huge bonfire oh, out of pallets. Okay. We'll come to find out many of those pallets had been used to ship chemicals, mm-hmm. and some of the containers had leaked. So literally they put themselves asleep forever sitting around the bonfire because that chemical residue is in the smoke and fire so they killed themselves all right well let's get a traffic update we'll continue on here with tom martz our friday road show broadcast here at scramblers sponsored by affordable towing i'm nick reed you're listening to nick reed in the morning on springfield's talk 1041 of course we are so fortunate have our friend Tom Arts with us. Hey, this one's actually going to create a question. Okay. okay. In 1883, 
at exactly noon on this day, American and Canadian railroads began using four continental time zones to end the confusion of dealing with thousands of local times. The bold move was emblematic of the power shared by the railroad companies. My question is, noon in which time zone? What? Since they, cr- it says at noon on this oh, day. Oh, oh. Which good time point. zone were they in? <laughs> good point. When they created, I, I the was time looking. Zones. I thought it was going to be. A, I got so distracted with I don't know. I was thinking all the different counting time zones and everything that I, I, I don't know. Four. Yeah. So, now that's a good question. Which time zone was it? Uh, I don't know. So if if we're going to celebrate this day. We need to do it at the proper time. Noon. Yeah, yeah, uh, right. I totally agree with you. And who gave the railroads the authority to manipulate time? Well, I think it's just referenced that they had that authority. <laughs> that was a sign of the influence and authority they had. Hey, in 1966, L.A. Dodgers ace pitcher Randy Co- or Sandy Koufax retires. Terry Waite is released after four years kidnapping in lebanon and in today's date in history drinking the flavor aid ah uh, yes people mass suicide at jonestown mm. not kool-aid that's right flavor aid boy kool-aid really i mean you want to talk about just at some point going what are we going to do i mean we're just going to have to accept this that so jim jones and that term, drinking the Kool-Aid, comes from Jim Jones. He had all these followers. What was it, Guatemala? Where did they set Guyana. up? Guyana. Guyana? They set up, and, and in the end, ultimately, after even some murders, including a congressperson, yes. a congressman from California, um, Jim Jones convinced all of these pe- you know, these people to, to drink cyanide. Was it cyanide? Or some sort of poison. Some in, sort of poison in, that was in mixed flavoring. in with um, which is a brand, like Kool-Aid is a brand. And they did, and there's audio of it. And everything. I mean, you hear the people scream. It's just awful. I mean, they parents fed their babies this stuff, and I think hundreds. And I mean, it was just this mass suicide. So that uh, that term, drinking the Kool-Aid, came from that. But it wasn't even Kool-Aid they used. It was Flavor-Aid. How does that happen? Or does somebody like, oh, drinking the Flavor-Aid, and they're like, nah, it just doesn't have the ring. Not enough people drink Flavor-Aid. They don't know what that is. Let's just stick with Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid got a raw deal on that one. They did, but they benefit from it greatly because Kool-Aid is actually the known brand. Yeah, well, Very maybe. few people know that well, right. Flavor-Aid still exists. I know. But it doesn't sell anywhere near the volume that Kool-Aid does. Well, maybe that's what launched Kool-Aid into. It very well could be. I wonder if bunch the, of sick, twisted freaks. I wonder if the, like the Kool Aid man went was sent down there just to, you know, check things out, and that's where they got the idea for him to bust through the wall. Go, hey, yeah. Kool Aid here. Dude, like, yeah, smile. they're like, go down, see how bad it is. We're getting blamed for this, and he's like, oh no, as he kind of walks over all the bodies. Yeah, back in the 1950s, Jim Jones created what was known as the People's Temple. It was a Christian sect back in Indianapolis in the 50s. He preached against racism, and his integrated congregation attracted many African Americans. Mm -hmm. I think that was his plan all along, was to get rid of the the black man. 
1965, he moved the group to Northern California, settling in Ukiah, and after 1971 in San Francisco. In the 70s, his church was accused by the media of financial fraud, physical abuse of its members, and mistreatment of children. In response to the mounting criticism, he increased the increasingly paranoid Jones. The only thing they don't say is he was an election denier. Invited his <laughs> congregation to move with him to Guyana, where he promised that they would build a socialist utopia. Three years earlier, a small group of his followers had traveled to the tiny nation to set up what would become Jonestown on a tract of jungle. And yes, they did kill uh, Congressman Leo Ryan. Yeah, he had been sent down. I think he had, a lot of his constituents um, had family members that had gone down, and they were very, very concerned. Uh, and while this is very common with cults, uh, the cult members say, we're fine, we're here, we want to be here, but the family members are like, they say that, but they're brainwashed. You know, they're essentially prisoners. And so he, he went down there, I think with some others, uh, on a fact-finding mission to figure out what was going on. And, and he and I think it was as he was taking off. Uh, yeah, they got one. him at the airport. Yeah, I got him at the airport. and Because some of the, uh, the membership of the cult decided that they wanted to seek asylum with the with oh, him that's and right. leave. that's right. Okay, that's right. So they ambushed him at the airport, and Congressman Ryan was killed along with the uh, delegation. There Sarah probably knows all about murders. this. She's sick. She likes that sort of thing. She follows Well, she, she does have a degree in criminology, doesn't she? Yeah, see? And he, so, yeah. Here, here she go. is. Today's quote is by an individual that I happen to share a birthday with, not the year, the day. Start with what is right rather than what is acceptable. Oh, I like Franz that. Kafka. Ah, I like me some Kafka. Who is Kafka-esque? That's probably where it That's came from. <laughs> That's a line from The Office where he's talking about when he's trying to break up with Pam's mom. And he's try, he's explaining all the differences. And he's like, and I don't know who this Kafka-esque person is that you keep talking about. Or something along those lines. The trial, uh, the, that's my, I know Metamorphosis, of course, is, for whatever reason, it seems to be the most popular Kafka uh, piece. But uh, to me, the trial is just such, in today's day and age, it, it is just, I don't know, it just feels perfect. And did you know, since that's all over, that the Secretary of State is asking for a new rule to be applied to libraries. I will give Sarah the link. That way she can post it in the show notes. But you can write to called Library Certification Requirement for the Protection of Minors. So what they're asking is the library has or will adopt a written, publicly accessible collection development policy addressing how selections are made and considering the appropriateness for the age and maturity level of any minor as defined in 15 CSR 30-200.0301E who accesses any material in any form. The library has or will adopt a written publicly accessible policy allowing any minor's parent or guardian to determine what materials and access will be available to a minor 
and no person employed by or acting on behalf of the library shall knowingly grant access to any minor any material in any form not approved by the minor's parents or guardian. No age inappropriate materials in any form as defined in the library's collection development policy shall be knowingly displayed in the library in areas designated by the library as containing materials predominantly for minors. And th this is the Missouri Secretary of State. Correct. So, yeah, and so my understanding also, unless it has changed, is this is only if the library wants the state to give it money. Yes. Yeah, so, and I know there's a big in local, there was a Columbia Tribune story about this and others, and, you know, of course, libraries, a lot of them, they're pitching a fit, and it's so funny because I think it was an op-ed piece. It was, I believe, in the Kansas City Star railing on this, uh, talking about how, First off, the government should not be making these decisions. And, well, libraries are government, so they're already making the decision. Um, but secondly, they they talked about how, um, you know, if I remember right, it was that editorial saying that, well, Republicans are always talking about local control. Uh, this isn't local control. Well, local control would also be you don't take money from the state. If you don't, well, that's part of it. You ask for money, with that always comes conditions. There's n There are never conditions. Sometimes they're very rigid conditions. Sometimes they are more broad, but there are still conditions. And it's you want to have you know, pornographic material for kids and not tell parents when they check it, fine, just don't take money from the state. I have all, you know, you get into these discussions where people go, well, the state shouldn't be banning, or the library shouldn't be banning this, shouldn't be banning that. And, and I have conveniently asked those people who go that route, I said, so can I go into a library, whether it's in a school or whether it's publicly funded, and get a Playboy magazine? Right. Or get a penthouse forum or get it. You name the what's considered a smut magazine. You're not going to find it in a library. Right. Yeah. So there are books but in reality different. that are already well, of banned course. if of you course. want to use that language. Of They're not in there for a reason. I mean, how many books do you find at the library that promote positively white supremacy? Probably not that many, if any at all. Um, I've noted it's people... It's typically on the left when they want to ban. They they talk about you should never ban books. What they mean are books that we like. They have no trouble banning books. It's just they have different ideas of what books they want to ban. And and while you can't pigeonhole everything, generally what I find is that people on the left they want to ban books that have ideas they disagree with. Where people, at least right now in the context of this discussion, people on the so-called right, the books they want to ban are pornographic books for kids. <laughs> I mean, it's just a matter of who wants to ban what. Both sides say, if you want to call it banning, or they want to create confines as to what is allowed. One, one side, it's about banning the diverse political beliefs, while the other is inappropriate material for kids, and that, that's just the difference. Hey, back in my day... <clears throat> Back in the old days, you just you could walk into a grocery store, you yeah. could walk into a drugstore, you could walk into anywhere, and if there was a Playboy magazine on the shelf, you could sit there and go through the right. pages yeah. like crazy. 
Back in the good old days. That now, when you walk into a place, like if you go into a truck stop or something like that, those books are in a plastic sealed case that prevents you from being able to go through them. Well, you're just relegated to the Sears catalog now. Yeah, pretty much. Tom Arts <laughs> with us as we broadcast live out here at Scramblers, the Friday Road Show, sponsored by Affordable Towing. I'm Nick Reed. Your voice is needed. The American people have to pull their heads out of their keisters. Now more than ever. And start thinking like responsible Americans. Springfield's Talk 104. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. Great Christmas gift idea. Floors plus. Improvement to your home. Floors are pretty essential. I don't anymore, you don't go into a home without a floor. They all got floors. It's not like the old days where sometimes the floor was just the dirt. It was the ground. They got floors. So it's all a matter of what kind of floor you're going to have. You're going to have high quality that is durable, that looks nice, uh, or not. Are you going to have something that you don't actually need, spend too much for, or not? Are you going to make an educated decision that is based on your needs and that's going to have the highest quality uh, installment as possible, and if so, then I recommend Floors Plus, Nick Say in Springfield, and right now, 0% financing for 12 months. Now, that is one heck of a deal. So stop by either location, whether it's carpeting, luxury or otherwise, more durable, um, or luxury vinyl planking, tiling, hardwood floors, or the plus, tiling, custom showers, Floors Plus in Nixa and Springfield. Traffic update now, I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. First alert forecast, a mostly sunny day. High of 31, clear 19 tonight, 41 tomorrow, and sunny on Sunday. High of 45 as we broadcast live uh, here at Scramblers. The American Transmissions Talk and Text Line, 447-KSGF Tomar. Hey, did you have an opportunity to read the letter that was sent out by the city administrator from Nixa? <laughs> I did see it on, uh, it, would that qualify as passive-aggressive? <laughs> it's a little bit, possibly. I did, I saw it, I read through it. Sarah asked me, did you see this? And I said, yeah, I saw it. I mean, I find it absolutely amazing that in this letter he says, unfortunately, with cost of operation rising faster than the city's revenue. Okay, let's relate that to people. Unfortunately, with the cost of being able to survive rising faster than my income, income, I am faced with difficult decisions for the 2023 budget of the Martz household. That's called life. I mean, that's called, yeah, sometimes you have to make those, uh, whether it's in your home or your business. I mean, in a I can't, with COVID in particular, it's just amazing. It's part of the reason people in government are so out of touch with the average person. When something like COVID happens, they all get more money. Yeah. I mean, it's just more money. Uh, there's still Springfield, these grants, oh, a million dollars to this art museum over here, a million dollars to this. It's like there's so much of it. It goes to non-COVID-related things. Yeah. While the rest of us get, I mean, just devastated. Well, you got the $600 Trump check, and then you got the $1,200 Trump check. But, but, and then... Yeah, but even like as a business, of course, scramblers, I'm right. sure. they. You know, My wife is in the, the restaurant industry as, uh, you know, our 
revenue lifeline is dependent on the success of businesses. And of course, that's what our whole purpose is, is to help businesses grow. And whenever they're being devastated or they're told, oh, by the way, you can't even open. Well, they're not going to advertise. So, you know, we dealt with those realities. And there are a lot of times very, very difficult decisions to be made. And it's just like in government, though, for the you know, in that same context of COVID, they get more money. And it's and so it creates this detachment where they really I think at times they don't realize that I think they want sympathy. So a letter like that goes out to create sympathy and it's like, Yeah, welcome to the club. I mean, hello, we are all in this same boat. The, well, we're all in this together. The, the the part that really gets me is is this one. Unfortunately now this is from the city administrator. This is the guy who and I know if I'm incorrect, Darren will text me. Yeah, and we should know this. This is regarding the fact that the people in Nixa they voted down a tax increase, right? Yeah, that, for police and parks. Police and parks, and so that's what this was regarding. Now, now, had police actually been important? Yeah, see, they try to coattail it. They yeah. they would have made it so that it, it was, was a tax just for police. That way, they could build a new department. They could hire new police officers. But no, we want a police and parks tax and i'm cynical so of course my mind always suggests that they figured oh people will definitely vote for police so let's try to have those coattails bring in the parks now all that being said i don't know enough about what is going on in nixa when it comes to their needs versus revenue to have an opinion on the tax increase itself but to me it was just the whole presentation and attitude of this letter you're referencing that was sent from the city manager i guess to the department heads the people in the city and of course it was posted on social media for everyone to see well the city i mean in 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 honesty i'm going to give them credit for their open transparency Mm -hmm. but unfortunately our budgeted expenses have been higher than our budgeted revenues for several years and in order to maintain a structurally balanced budget We have spent revenues to cover that deficit in each of the last five years. However, this is not sustainable for the status quo, and we certainly are not going to be able to increase spending. So if you relate that to the modern budget of somebody's house, well, we charge too much on the MasterCard, but we have some money in the bank that we have set aside for an emergency. So let's take that money out We'll apply it towards the MasterCard, and we're going to do that monthly for five years and then go, hey, we have a problem. It just it, it irritates me, and it should irritate any voter that w- one of the things that when I got into uh, sales of water treatment equipment out in California, one of the guys always used to say that you have to do two things. Say your right hand is needs, your left hand is wants. Do you yeah. are you earning enough money to cover your needs? And if you are, then you can start purchasing yeah. your wants. But you know, the general attitude of people in government is there are no wants. It's all needs. It's all needs. It's all needs in their mind. And and I think, and people who are listening that are in that position in government that may dismiss it and say that's not true. I would I would challenge them. Then make a list of all the things that you spend money on right now, or that your department spends money on, that are just wants. And I think that they would have to admit, oh, yeah, I guess that's right. We do see everything as a need. Now, the rationalization is, well, that's because we run things so efficiently. (laughs) 
we don't spend money on any wants. Everything that we do have are absolute needs. Um, and, you know, th- there's so much to be said about a situation like this. And one of the th- is I, I feel that most of the time it's a false choice that is given. The false choice that oftentimes is given is, do you think that this thing needs to be done? So do you think that we need more police officers? If you believe that, then that means you have only one choice, and that is to vote to increase taxes. And there may be situations in which that is true, but more times than not, that isn't true. There are other ways that you can do it. It's just easier to say we want more of your money. And I will never forget, it was probably about 10 years ago or so, Green County was wanting to raise taxes and was going to go to police officers you know, or, or law enforcement. No, no, no. I don't, I don't remember. It was, I just remember it was Green County. And it failed. And the lead up to it, the campaign was that all, there were all these jobs that were going to be cut. And all these departments were going to have to be slain, you know, And it was just that, that this is what will happen. And the people voted it down anyhow. And I still remember exactly where it was when I hear the news come on. I'm in my car. I'm pulling up to the gas station in Nixa that's in the parking lot of Price Cutter. Yeah, they found money. And they and that came on. It was Don Luzader doing the news story and how Green County announced that they weren't going to have to cut all those jobs after all because they figured out a way to do it. I thought, well, lo and behold. And it's because it, government creates such distrust that even, and this is where they do harm to themselves, even if at times they are being honest about the dire situation. People have been lied to so many times and, and told the sky is falling every single time. At some point, people go, I'm just going to choose not to believe you anymore. We've gotten to the point where, and I think every everyone should be asked this, what is the proper function of, of city government? Yeah. Well, if the proper function of city government is to provide you with gymnasiums or things that are for the benefit of the community and not the whole community, but parts of the community, well, then you're answering the wrong way. The, the function of city government is to secure your right to life, liberty, pursuit of happiness in the industry of your own gains or the gains of your own industry, however that's worded in Article 1, Section 2 of the Missouri Constitution. To me, that would be policing. So let's make sure that we have enough cops. And, of course, there's this agency, and I think it's the uh, has something to do with the chief of police. Okay. They determine that you have to have a certain amount of police officers based on the population of a city. But if your city doesn't have a high crime rate, do you really need that amount of police right, officers? Right. We just automatically assume, well, because this agency says we need two and a half cops per 1,000 people, well, we're going to have two and a half cops per 1,000 people. No, that's absolutely true. And I remember it was years ago reading this this study, and it was talking about the number of firefighters and fire stations. I think it was in Los Angeles or somewhere in California per person. And how, I, you know, there was some sort of formula like you're talking about. And I think it had even increased over time. But they noted that the actual need for in, fires, actual fires, because of just regulations, homes being built better, people being more educated on not doing things like 
you know, smoking while you're falling asleep and that the number of house fires, the number of calls to fire departments over this 30 year period of this study had diminished significantly, like 80 percent or something absurd. But despite that, it didn't make any difference. There were not less. You didn't have an 80 percent decrease in the need for firefighters. There were more of them. And of course, what do they do? They find other things for them to do. Libraries are the same thing. I always get feedback every time I say, I do not think there is a need for taxpayer-funded libraries. I just don't. When, in the beginning, it wasn't even that way. You had Carnegie going around building them. And this was a period of time where only very wealthy people had access to books. It is not that way anymore. Books are so available, they are given away for free. Books are so available, houses. You drive around Springfield, and they have their own little libraries set up. Uh, information is accessible to absolutely everyone. And so, I, you know, and that's why you have libraries finding these different things. Oh, now we offer we for elderly people. And, oh, you can come and do this or check out movies. And it's because they're looking for a reason to still be relevant. And every time I talk about that, I mean, people are just appalled because they've been so ingrained to believe that, well, you have to have public libraries just because that the mere suggestion that they're not the purpose that it was once served is no longer needed uh it, it's just beyond the capability of comprehension for some people i know this might blow blow your mind but you know that you can actually walk into a barnes and noble pick a book up off i know the shelf, just sit and read it and, and go yes. right there into an area where you can read the book and they have a little coffee pli- place yeah, in there too I so i know but you'll never get ran and in fact oh we need more funny we need more even though you know again what percentage of the population today versus 60 years ago goes to a library because that is the only place that they can possibly find the information they're looking for? See, that and, argument right there is my argument against fluoride in water. Mm-hmm. What percentage of the fluoridated water that you use actually goes into your mouth to prevent tooth decay and mm. gum rotting? Uh, Less than very, one-tenth yeah. of one percent yeah. of the water, but yet we're... If we fill funnel, the entire... Yeah, we're, yeah, we fill the whole entire thing up with, with fluoride, and it's the same way with books. I'm looking at a computer, you're looking at a computer, yeah. Sarah's looking at a computer. You've got all kinds of different... Uh, yesterday I was scrolling through some different podcasts, and I actually found an area where if there's a book that you want, books on like a book on tape uh-huh. thing... To where you can listen to it while you're driving down the highway. There realistically is not a need for publicly funded libraries right, anymore. Right, and that's it. And even, you know, the books, aside from the ease which information is available, I still like books. I like hardcover books. I buy, You know, I have those, and I still buy them. Uh, you know, I, you know, a, of course, ABC Books, they're partners of ours. But you have people like that. And then, of course, here you have a local business like ABC Books and that business has to pay taxes in order to do what? Create competition against themselves. Yes. Uh, the paying for the competition. And it, it's just one of it's the public library system is one of those many examples of human beings becoming comfortable with something and recoiling at the thought of not of being told you don't need it. But they can't really tell you why, ultimately, it is needed in today's day and age. But, man, every time I bring it, because people love libraries, and, and they'll say, but we need, listen, if, you know, I'm not saying that there's any, 
I love bookstores. Bookstores are great. You mentioned you can go into a lot of books, just read the books if you want to. Free. It's just so accessible everywhere. The original purpose no longer exists. Well, you know, one of the things that the uh, the I live right down the street from a facility that's operated by the city of Springfield that has a building in it which the Republican Party uh, yeah. rents out Target all the barbecue. time for the Target mm-hmm. Barbecue. Instead of funneling that money to a private entity within the city, they've decided that they're going to go to the city of Springfield mm-hmm. to benefit the city of Springfield. Why should my tax dollars be used? Mm-hmm. They to, could go to the old glass house. I'm sure they would love to have the Republican Party. <laughs> plus, within that facility, in the other building, there is a fitness center. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a running track. There's a swimming pool. There's... All kinds yeah. of, and, oh, my, yeah. and and I have a membership at a, at, at a, at a, a gym here entity. in town, so my tax money is being used yeah. to benefit the facility right down the street from me to get people to join it instead of have people join like the YMCA or Genesis or whichever right. of the gyms that there are. More with Tom Martz from Scramblers. I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 104.1. Short segment here. We went a bit long with Tom Arts. All right, I'm going to get into trouble on this one. The regional trail. This is called. This is the Chadwick Flyer Trail that is going to be part of the Ozark Greenway Trail System bike and walking. It's going to go from downtown Springfield to the Ozark Community Center in Christian County, spanning a total of 12 miles, and costing approximately. $20 Twenty million dollars. That's so. It's uh, over a million a mile. Now, I pedal a lot. One point eight. I know people who run. I know uh, yeah. people who jog. And in reality, I I'm, I haven't looked at how this trail is going to be routed. But I would think that there are roads that are already in existence, which could probably be widened. If you notice, there's not a lot of shoulders on the highways here in Missouri. So even if you break mm-hmm. down, right. it's not right, like right. you can get off the road. And I hear this, well, you're not supposed to be riding your bike on the road. Well, I got news for those people. The right to travel is a right. Right, yeah. right. absolutely. Whether I'm walking, riding bike, riding horse, driving right. a car. Like the Amish. And, right. Yeah. Don't give me this crap no, that you shouldn't be riding your bike on the road because you don't pay for them. Trust me, I pay for them dearly with the amount of miles I put on my vehicles yeah. annually. And you're helping the environment. I am. Here's one for you. Here's what I'd like to see since we're on this sort of subject. I would love to see any county in the country, but we'll say Green County. They'll never do this. I would like to see a monitoring of... Green County parks, taxpayer paid parks, over a, you know, we'll say summer, spring, whenever people are most likely. Uh, maybe do a, you know, a week in every month or so uh, and uh, get an average of how many people actually utilize a park on a day. And then I would like a breakdown of how much ultimately the budget for the parks is per day and see how much it costs per person. Actually, there used to be a thing here in Springfield called Municipal Academy. Mm. And when Jody Adams was the person who headed up the parks department, I had asked for, because I took Mm. that class, I had asked for an accounting of 
do you have how much does doling cost to operate right annually how much does this park how much of that park and at that point in time i don't know about now but that point in time she said we don't have those figures well of course they don't track that stuff <laughs> of course they don't because i believe it would show the absurdity of how much money per person it wouldn't surprise me if if it i mean if you ended up like well it's about $38,000 a person per year based on how many people actually use it versus the cost of, of running them because you drive and i'm not saying that parks are it has nothing to do with our parks good or our parks bad but how many times do you drive by a park and there's not a single soul in them yet we sit and then operate those things we pay money to upkeep those things and to me it's absolutely absurd that you have so many different parks and, and that you drive by on any given time oh well there's three people in that park or there's no people in that park but my god if you talk about closing a park you'd think that you were saying you know what we're going to do is eliminate 10 percent of the population of children we're just going to put them in big old potato sacks and throw them in the river well act like know, it's the single worst thing you could ever do but you know as soon as you close a park they're going to build sky rise apartment buildings yeah, on there okay. so we're going to have seventy-five thousand okay. people in it but what i found interesting about this this trail is that they estimate that this will garner a hundred and six million dollars in economic benefit where is this $106 million in economic benefit coming from? It's, I, I suspect it's much like the predictions of global warming, that it's just all speculation. You know what I mean? It's, not, it's just, ba well, we think that this means that it'll bring this many people here to ride on the, and, and they'll stop this many times to buy food and to do this and they'll you know have to buy bicycle gear and and you know they they just it's guessing it's just a figuring well if we build this we think these things may happen and then coming up with the revenue evaluations that yeah way. I think it's just all guessing that's it's why the state of oregon thinking. and the state of california are now having to tear down the dams because the fish you know you build it and they will come well the salmon are having a problem migrating to where it is that they need yeah. to spawn at so they're having to governments fill tear down the dams ideas. to get them back up there as always thank you tom arts it's Have been great so we got rid of um libraries and parks all right <laughs> excellent good day's work here springfield's talk 1041 from scramblers i'm nick reed you're listening to nick reed in the morning on springfield's talk 1041 hello everyone Welcome to the show. My name is Nick Reed. We are at Scramblers. Uh, show us your best shot. We've you got another week on this. We've got a lot of entries. Uh, you can see them at KSGF.com. It is hunting season and quick draw gun. Teaming up. Show us your best shot. So you just go to KSGF.com. You submit your hunting photo. It can be this season. It can be a past season if you'd like. And then uh, after next week of the submissions, one will be chosen. And if it's you, you get a $50 gift certificate from quick draw gun i recommend you check out their website they're fantastic folks uh they're you know just really 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 good people and uh i wanted to partner up with us on this and every everyone you're putting photos on social media anyhow might as well win 500 dollars gift certificate to quick draw guns at the same time that's at ksgf.com uh mentioned christmas christmas gift ideas earlier those of you that are planning on giving garage experts a call Having Shelly come out to your home, 
Um, maybe check out your garage. Maybe it's a gift idea. It's like, hey, my husband or my wife, maybe she's the one that cares more about the garage space um, at work, and, and Shelly will come, and you can get an idea of what it is that they can do for you and pick out the color schemes and the customized cabinetry. Uh, make sure you told them that you heard it on this show. Say, so, yeah, I heard Nick talking about you. I saw the work you did with Nick. Uh, and they're going to get you a special, special price and special discount. So don't forget to mention that. And it is a fantastic Christmas idea, really for the entire family, uh, because of just the massive improvement to your home and the value of your home and taking that garage and making it a living space in your home. It's Garage Experts under Nick's endorsements, ksgf.com. News in 60 seconds.